1: Foundations. So just like in the old covenant where God lived in a tabernacle amongst in the middle of his people, when Jesus came, God incarnate in the flesh, he literally tabernacled with him.
0: Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. We began learning about Sukkot in our last program, the Feast of Tabernacles, how it's celebrated and what is celebrated in this Jewish holiday. But we're going to learn today about this celebratory feast and how it really is a celebration of Jesus the Messiah.
1: Every feast you look at, you see Jesus. I will go so far as to say that some of the feasts are more obvious, like Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Passover, they seem to be more obvious Mm. but you see him in every single solitary feast and also in the Feast of Tabernacles and we talked about how they have the lulav and how they wave these four species, it's a celebration of God's provision not only throughout their wilderness wanderings, of their food, their clothing, their shoes, life sustaining, Mm. you know power how he lived among them was with them but also um, it's a celebration of God's providing a harvest meals food for them once they got into the promised mm. land which was a difficult land to farm and cultivate. We also learned about the, the booths themselves, the little tabernacles, the little sukkahs that they lived in. I've actually, Ian and I, when we were in Israel, went to a friend's house during Sukkot and actually had a meal out in their sukkah. Oh, nice. um, It's funny, actually, on the, the walls, they have um, a picture that is a depiction of one of the... Um, Fathers of the faith it could be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and and so on, um, because in just in traditional Orthodox um, Judaism they kind of believe that one of the patriarchs will visit every day of Sukkot. Not true, but it's a nice <laughs> tradition, and so they have to have these vegetation on the roof so that they can see the stars and whatnot. And any rain can you know sprinkle in, and mm. and it's kind of a little bit of a camping holiday for the yeah, kids yeah. at home during this time. Bit of an adventure, and then we finished off about how there is a water ceremony that the high priest would go and get some water from the Pool of Salaam, take it to the temple, and then the people would start singing, waving the lulav after he'd poured it out. And they sang from Psalm 118, which is a messianic psalm, exactly the same psalm that was sung by the people when Jesus came into Mm. the city of Jerusalem.
0: And we read about this in the Gospels where the religious leaders say to Jesus, tell them to stop because they recognized that it was a Messianic psalm and that it was being sung to Jesus, and they were freaking out a little bit, weren't they? Exactly.
1: And, of course, his response was, "Mm -mm, no can do. If they stop, the rocks are going to cry out. That was virtually an acknowledgement They're saying the right thing to the right person Mm. at the right time. At the right time, yeah. Absolutely. Another thing that used to take place during uh, Sukkot was the priests would light four gigantic menorahs. These were the seven-branched candlesticks, putting on a bit of a light show. There would be uh, torch dances while the Levites provided all the music and the singing. It was a really wonderful time of celebration, great joy. And again, the significance in these elements is that Jesus is the light of the world. Mm. He is the one who was going to come bring light into this dark place, paying for sin that was literally holding the human race in bondage and slavery.
0: You can imagine in John 8:12 where Jesus declares I am the light of the world, you put that into the context of this menorah celebration yeah. and the actual festival that's happening. Yeah. It takes on a whole greater significance, doesn't it? Because the people would have gone oh. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> but you can also hold that that very thought, that exact same thought for the Festival of Lights. Mm. With Hanukkah as well, which is, again, we'll get to that um, in December. That's an amazing, uh, amazing symbology there as well. But, yeah, these lights and Jesus is the light of the world. And, of course, you've got the waters from the pool of Siloam. Now, remember, we know of a story there of the man who was born blind. And then Jesus said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Then he washes the mud off. Who does he see? Mm. He sees the light of the world. Yeah. You know, amazing in that very place.
0: Wow, there's just so much significance, isn't there, when you overlay the culture onto the history?
1: Yeah. We've already talked about Rosh Hashanah. I've got to say it again because these are all in sequence. This is all part of this prophetic sequence of the outlying story or plan of redemption. You go from Rosh Hashanah, the welcoming of the king for his coronation and the preparation of the heart for repentance. It begins the 10 days of awe that leads to Yom Kippur where the sin of the people is paid for by the the blood of the goat and then the scapegoat has the sin of the people put on it, taken out into the wilderness, taking their sin away so that their names are written in the book of life. That leads into the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, What's very interesting about the Feast of Tabernacles is that before the permanent temples were were built, the tabernacle was where the presence of God resided amongst the people. The camp of the Israelites in the wilderness camped around the perimeter of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in the middle and the tabernacle was filled with a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, depending on being day or night. And the very interesting thing is that when you read... In John 1.14, it says that Jesus was born, he became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And the word dwelt actually means to have one's tabernacle or abide or live in a tabernacle. So just like in the old covenant where God lived in a tabernacle amongst in the middle of his people, when Jesus came, God incarnate in the flesh this Temporary dwelling that he lives in, he literally tabernacled among his people, living Mm. with them in the flesh.
0: That is amazing.
1: I find that stunning. So this this is like the king has come; he's living among them, and I can't help when I look at this sequence. Now, I haven't read this in any of the literature or anything when I've studied up or read about Sukkot. But going back to when we looked at the the relationship between God and his people and Jesus and the Gentiles and the Gentile bride and the Jewish, the ancient Jewish wedding, I see this massive celebration. It's almost like the wedding supper of the Lamb. Yeah. I don't want to infuse anything into it. It's just something that I find mm. a little bit coincidental if there is such a thing.
0: Well, Coincidental or not, it's certainly interesting to see the way that Jesus is the fulfilment of so many of these uh, festivals and feasts that we read about in the Scriptures.
1: Not only what is in Scripture, but I just find it curious that even the man-made traditions that developed over the years also seem to just completely reflect the mission and ministry work of Jesus as the redeemer of mankind.
0: Now, of course, when the Jews rejected Jesus the first time around, as he was being presented as Messiah, yeah. it opens the door for the Gentiles to come to faith and to be grafted. Yeah. And we've talked in the past about this grafting in that into yeah. the Commonwealth of Israel.
1: Yeah, exactly. So again, this is a, a celebration or a feast that celebrates a harvest. Yes, it's talking about the physical, literal harvest of food, for sustaining the people but it's also the fact we're talking about a harvest of the Gentile world coming to faith in Jesus as well but it's also pointing to the fact that there is also going to be a huge ingathering a harvest of the Jewish people as well the judicial blindness that the Jewish people live under today as a result of the leadership bringing judgment on the nation has as you said Open the doors to the Gentile world, and there's been a huge ingathering into faith in Christ. But the day is coming, and Paul is very emphatic about it in Romans 11, verses 25 to 29, where he talks about this ingathering future harvest of the Jewish people. He actually goes on to say that all Israel will be saved. There is a, as part of this future fulfillment, when all the Jews are going to come to faith in their Messiah. You can't condemn a blind person because they can't see. Mm. What we do is pray for them and present the truth in as loving and as gentle a means and method as possible. But God is the one who lifts the blindness. God Mm. is the one who saves everybody, Jew and Gentile. But in this plan of salvation for the human race, he chose the Jewish people as a light to the world. They have come under judgment because of their leadership. God has always kept a remnant of them, but there is a future harvest. When they will know their Messiah who has tabernacled among them, who Mm. is from them and for them, and the day is coming where they're coming back in.
0: Now we're almost out of time, but you did mention that the Feast of Sukkot went from being a seven day to eight and then nine days as a feast. What was the reason for that?
1: Initially it was a seven day feast. Then it got extended to an eight-day feast because Numbers 9 actually says on on the eighth day of this feast. So to make sure that they got it all right, they made (laughs) the feast last to eight days. Just to be sure. But then they also extended it to nine days because on the ninth day, the very last, last day of Sukkot or the end of it, is a celebration that they call Simchat Torah. And I'll tell you about that another time.
0: All right, looking forward to hearing more about that. But it's fascinating to learn about the Feast of Tabernacles. And as always, lots more in the notes than we can get into the program. So check that out at vision.org.au slash foundations. And we invite you to join us again next time as we continue to discover the richness of the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith.